I am Marlon Jones, the Career Skills Architect, and this is View from the Big Chair Podcast, Examining the Cost to Be the Boss. The purpose of this podcast is to share information with students in sports administration programs and with young professionals and those who are underemployed in sports administration. We talk with guests who sit in the big chair, those persons who are directors of athletics, who are head coaches, commissioners, or directors of different areas within athletic administration. We learn from their journey, and we also learn what skill sets they look for when they are hiring for positions so that you know how to prepare so that you can get to your own big chair. On this episode of View from the Big Chair, Examining the Cost to Be the Boss, our guest is Adam Hutchinson, Senior Director of Athletics at Earlham College. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm doing well, Marlon. Thank you for inviting me. Sure. Tell our listeners when and how you developed a love for sports. Uh, started early for me. Um, my older brother loves sports and I love my brother. Um, so it started there. Uh, over time, I would say my love for sports evolved. I think what I ultimately fell in love with was uh, the peace I found through practicing and the repetition required to compete. Uh, I kind of think of it almost as a meditative state. That's cool. And walk our listeners through your professional career. So uh, my entry into college athletics was serving as a graduate assistant at my alma mater, uh, Amherst College. I went from there to playing professional basketball in the UK. And after returning to the U.S., I, uh, I served as a volunteer assistant basketball coach at Emory University in Atlanta. Uh, my first full-time job was as a uh, head men's basketball coach at Stevens Institute in New Jersey. Um, I was there for two years, and after a six-game improvement my second year, I interviewed for two positions, uh, one at Washington and Lee University and one at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. Um, the WNL position was appealing to me because my family is originally from Virginia, and my mother-in-law had recently moved there. Um, but the case position was appealing to me professionally because it was in the uh, University Athletic Association. Um, and even though I had no personal connection to Cleveland, uh, when case called and offered me their position, I accepted. Um, after my second year at, uh, at uh, case, WNL called me back and asked if I was interested in looking at their position again. And I said no initially, but the AD said, well, listen, just come down and allow us to, you know, make you say no. And I went and uh, while the case position was better professionally, the uh, being in Virginia would put us in a position where our children would have access to family members. So ultimately, I decided to go down to Virginia. Um, in 2017, um, I decided to leave Washington and leave and return to my alma mater at Amherst College. Um, then I went to Kane University, and then in 2021, I was named Director of Athletics at Earl. So a long, winding path. Now, Division three schools don't offer athletic scholarships. So what made you want to compete at Amherst? Uh, 
So I had some division two schools that uh, recruiting me in high school and they do offer scholarships. Um, but first and foremost, I had chose to attend Amherst College, not to compete there. Um, when I sat down with my mom and I gave her a list of places I was looking, when I said, she asked me why I was looking at certain schools. And when I said, well, the coach called me, she just scratched them out. And she told me, you need to have a better reason. Um, so um, the academic reputation of Amherst appealed to my mother. It appealed to me. Um, but my visit was kind of interesting because when I went there, everyone spent the weekend presenting Amherst as this kind of utopian college on the hill. And that framing didn't work for me. Um, heading into the last day of my visit, I was still convinced I wouldn't be going there. And on the last panel, a student named Leander Gray said, uh, Amherst will challenge you in ways that make you deeply uncomfortable, but it's worth it. And that honesty, um, Amherst's willingness to acknowledge its own imperfection was what allowed me to see myself there. Um, and, and my experience at Amherst exactly lived up to Leander's description. Um, place did make me deeply uncomfortable in a lot of ways. Um, so for example, at that time, Amherst's primary social scene, uh, there was music there, but the social scene was centered around alcohol. Um, the social scene that I was comfortable with, there might be alcohol present, but it was centered around music. Um, so this was a disconnect I found really difficult to bridge, um, but basketball allowed me to do that. Um, basketball for me made Amherst a more inclusive place than it otherwise would have been. So that's kind of what went into my decision to attend and to compete there. You received an NCAA graduate scholarship for careers in athletics. Only eight of these are awarded every year, and it's based on distinction as an undergrad. This shows you know how to stand out in a crowd. What do you suggest to young professionals who are trying to distinguish themselves from other candidates for jobs in this industry? So you framed that uh, more kindly than I experienced it. Um, I was fortunate to receive that scholarship. I can't say that at that time I knew how to stand out from a crowd. Um, with experience, I feel really comfortable telling young professionals this. Um, every year, keep a professional log of every single thing you do as you do it. Um, and at the end of that year, use your log to update your resume. Um, there have been professional contributions I was happy to make, um, experiences I grew from, but I was neglecting to include them on my resume because they weren't front of mind at the end of the year. Um, so this practice of maintaining a log has helped me highlight those experiences. And it's really helpful to reference that log in preparing for interviews. Um, so to folks listening, you have more experiences than you think you do. Write it all down. That is excellent advice. If you write it as you go, then it's easier to include it. Yes. What led you to pursue coaching? So when I entered Amherst, there were approximately 100 Black students out of a student body of 1,600. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, um, basketball was an inclusive experience for me on campus. Um, so the main thing I wanted to contribute through coaching um, was using athletics to advance diversity. And for me, particularly, 
particularly at uh, selective liberal arts colleges. Um, and I wanted to help students of color uh, navigate those spaces. What skills did you develop that made you be effective as a coach? Uh, so it's hard to say develop or if I'm naturally inclined to these things. Um, but I worked at them. I can say that um, I'm organized and analytical. Um, both of those things prove valuable in my coaching career. Um, basketball games can seem like just a rapidly unfolding string of unrelated occurrences. But if you're tenacious in analyzing it, um, you realize games are actually a finite number of things that just occur in different combinations. So everything that happens on the court um, can and should be prepared for accordingly. If you're disciplined and organized, you can do it. Um, I'm not sure if most people would call this next thing a skill, but understanding the difference between can do and will do um, was huge for me with the operative word being will. Um, it allowed me to uh, think of whatever I wanted to accomplish as um, something that required me to just put myself to it, as opposed to it being a question of ability. Um, I think it's why most of the teams I had the privilege to coach improved over the course of the season, because our ceiling wasn't our ability. Our ceiling was what were we willing to do? Wow. What are you willing to do? What's the biggest lesson that you learned while you were coaching that helped you transfer over into the administration side? Yeah. Um, there's a huge difference between being in charge and leadership. Um, I think one way to understand the difference is by distinguishing between having all the answers and asking questions. So, for example, um, there are folks who in, in athletics who talk about leadership all day long, um, presenting themselves as like authorities. And in my experience, that in effect cements a hierarchical situation where other people are followers. Um, and I'd like to contrast that. A question that I've begun asking when I speak to groups about leadership or diversity is who in here has ever had a black supervisor? And I try to be intentional about, about not interrupting the silence that follows because within that question and within the usually resulting silence are lots of teachable moments about leadership. So when I interact with my own department, rather than always tell them who and what we are or who and what we claim we are, I try to pose questions that empower them to lead us to whom and what we want to become. Um, one of my go-tos, I like to remind them of Ella Baker's quote, uh, strong people don't need strong leaders. Um, and I kind of, I, I developed this perspective while coaching, and I've been intentional about implementing it now that I'm an administrator. I like that. I like that. Strong people don't need leaders. Many young people only pursue career opportunities in Division One. What are some of the advantages of a career in Division Three athletics? Um, that's a tough question um, because I've never 
applied. I've never even applied for a job in division one. I've spent my whole career focused on division three. So it's difficult for me to compare something I know so little about. I can tell you um, I have valued the academic athletic balance at the institutions I've worked at. Um, one of the ways that shows up, a lot of my former players reach out to me to talk about how lessons we learned on the court have contributed to academic and professional successes for them. Um, and those conversations mean a lot to me. Um, I think I would be remiss if I didn't say it might be advantageous for rising professionals to pursue division one experiences since increasingly it seems many division three athletic departments seem to value those experiences in their hiring decisions. I'm not one of those, but that does seem to be the trend. <laughs> okay. Now, when you're interviewing to hire a coach, what are the top three skills that you're looking for in those candidates? I would say in this order, um, I look for an ability to listen to others, not just hear them, but listen. Um, I look for people who have the ability to say, I don't know. Um, and I look for uh, people who have the ability to tell a story where they took an L, where they didn't have all the answers, where you know maybe they had an experience and they know they're supposed to learn something from it, but they don't yet know what that is. Um, I, I look for those three things. Do you look for anything different when you're hiring administrators? Uh, no, I actually look for the same things. I think in the interview, I think in uh, evaluating one's resume, you look for certain experiences. You look for organization. Um, you know, you might look for experience with uh, software. Um, but in the interview part, those are the things I'm looking for. Now, after being a head coach for over a decade, you took an assistant coaching job. And we know in athletics, it's not unusual for coaches or administrators to sometimes take what looks like a step back in title. But describe to our young professionals why that can benefit your career. Sure. Um, I don't think titles matter. Um, they do. Um, but they matter to other people. And I don't think I would encourage people not to define themselves according to their title. Um, I would like to encourage young professionals to not look at all career decisions in terms of progression or regression, um, but to consider what contribution do you want to make in the world? Um, which job best positions you to do that? In my case, um, the institution I work for made abundantly clear uh, it embraced a regressive view of Black faculty, staff, and students as subordinate community members. And leaving required taking a financial hit that gave me pause, but leaving a work environment like that is never a step back. And what I'm really proud of is at each institution I was at after that, I contributed positively at every step. Um, and my experiences that I brought with, with me enabled me to do that. So I was still able to be effective. My title said, you know, assistant this, but my title didn't define me and it didn't limit what I could do. That is so 
so important for people to understand that it's the job and the contribution more so than the title. Yes. What has been your biggest challenge and how did you overcome it? Um, I would say my biggest challenge has been uh, time away from my family. Um, so in the business that I'm in, you know, athletics, higher education, you go where the work takes you. And so, you know, I can, my wife and my kids sometimes have come with me, other times not. Um, I've found myself living my adult life away from where my mother was. Um, and uh, I don't have a overcome ending to that. Um, it is something that you make the choice, you execute it as best you can, but for young professionals, you're going to find yourself questioning whichever choice you make, right? So if you make the choice I made where you say, all right, I'm going to go where the work takes me, you lament um, the time away from your family. If you decide, okay, I'm going to stay in this unsafe geographical area, you know, maybe you lament opportunities missed. Um, and I think we all have to navigate that as best we can in our own way. We constantly hear that relationships are so important in this industry. Yet for the past two years, we've all been separated from each other. How do you suggest that aspiring coaches and athletic administrators develop these relationships? So I'm speaking, um, I, I think, specifically to professional relationships in this question. Yes. Not necessarily say relationships if you're a coach with members of your team. Um, I would say that Twitter and LinkedIn are really, really powerful tools. Um, follow people you know, follow, follow people you want to know. Um, drop them a kind word of congratulations when appropriate. Uh, keep them informed of, of what's going on in your world. And, you know, the more extroverted among us are more willing to do that. The more introverted among us might say, oh, I don't want to bother someone. I'm introverted. I can tell you this. As much as you're looking to advance your career, we're also looking for people to hire and bring into our institutions when openings arise. So don't hesitate online, drop us a note, drop us a, a, a tweet, um, you know, post something on LinkedIn and, and you know, make sure we see it um, so that you're front of mind when, when an opportunity arises. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to young Adam as he transitioned from coaching into administration? Um, I would say three things. I would say in every stop along the way professionally, whatever it is you're doing, pay attention to how other people organize their systems. Um, you know, organization is a huge time saver, a huge uh, efficiency boost. Um, and you can, you know, people have great ideas everywhere. So borrow liberally, pay attention to how people organize stuff. Um, that would be number one. Um, number two, I would say uh, make note of opportunities to express gratitude and say thank you often. Um, and not just to people who you might perceive as um, someone who could advance your career, but um, people who maybe can't. 
Um, you know, say thank you to the maintenance people. Um, say thank you to the, the gentleman who works in the equipment room. Say thank you to the people who you see every day when you go to the cab for lunch. Um, by doing this, you're creating a, a better organization as you go. Um, the last thing I would say, last piece of advice um, would be have a vision of what it is you want to contribute to the world. And every now and again, when you get bogged down in the weeds, take a moment, a minute to look up and refresh. What's your why? What's your vision? That's great. That is that is so good. And what's the one thing you wish you knew before you sat in that big chair of senior director of athletics? It could be everything, right? I want to know everything, so I don't make any mistakes. Um, but I think the question implies some missed opportunity or some regret. Um, and I haven't been in the seat long enough to have those experiences yet. Um, there are a lot of challenges, um, you know, relating to parents, uh, you know, managing uh, people, you know, paying attention to budgets. Um, there's no one thing yet that I've said, ah, you know, that, that would really hurt. Um, so what that means is you got to invite me back in like seven years and we can ask that question again. All right. That says that putting it out there in the universe, we're still going to be going in seven years. I'll take that. Now, Adam, what motivates you to keep working in higher education? Colleges and universities are by definition forward-facing institutions. Um, people come there to learn, to take what they learned and apply it to the future. Um, so by definition, our institutions shape, shape the future. Um, our popular national narrative tells us that the civil rights movement, uh, after civil rights movement, America became a society committed to equality. Um, I'm from a place marked by staggering inequality in terms of access to opportunity, access to education, access to health care. Um, so I know that narrative is not true just from my own experiences. Um, I'm aware there are people from more affluent communities, and I would challenge them to ask themselves how many unarmed Black people have been killed by police in their lifetime? Um, how many beatings or murders of unarmed Black people have they seen with their own eyes, you know, through their computer or on television in their lifetime? Uh, and then I would ask a couple of follow-up questions that seem unrelated, but aren't. How many Black supervisors have you had in your career? Think about those retirement celebration emails that your institution sends out every year and ask yourself, how many of those have celebrated the retirement of Black people? The answers to all of those questions are linked. Um, the answers, I think, make clear how untrue our popular national narrative is it really highlights how much work remains to be done and how much of an impact we can have if we aren't afraid to try. That's what keeps me motivated. What are your short-term goals at Earlham? Short-term, I would like to see Earlham's enrollment return to uh, levels that are more sustainable than they currently are. Um, I'd like to help use our athletic department to contribute to that. Um, I would like our athletic department to um, model uh, diversity and inclusion um, in all facets and forms. Um, I'd like to uh, contend and win conference championships. Um, and I actually think that all three of those things are connected as well. 
now it's overtime. What book do you think aspiring sports administrators should read and why? Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass. Um, that book is about um, a person's struggle to define themselves as opposed to being defined by others. And when our institutions, our athletic departments are struggling with inclusivity, that struggle for definition is at the core of that. App can you not live without, and why? Uh, personally, I can live without any of them. Um, <laughs> professionally, I would recommend Twitter. Um, it, it's an excellent way to know what's going on outside of the bubble that you live in. Okay. And what other social media sites should aspiring sports administrators follow? LinkedIn. Um, get on LinkedIn. Be a presence on LinkedIn. Follow the people you like and admire. What motivational movie you, do you suggest aspiring coaches and administrators watch? Um, I would say specifically Colin in Black and White. I would say more broadly, anything by Ava DuVernay is a must-see TV All or movie. Right. What is your go-to inspirational quote? Uh, my go-to quote has served me as a student, as an athlete, as a coach, as an administrator, and as a citizen, and as a father. It's never the wrong time to do the right thing. Great, great. Do you have anything else that you would like to share with those who are striving to sit in that big chair of director of athletics? Yes. Thank you for that question. Um, please, everyone listening, remember, um, one goal should be for you to make it. And your next goal should be for you to help the person behind you, not to make it the way you made it, but to make it how they can make it. So let's broaden the path for the people coming behind us. Let's lift as we climb. Thank you so much. You have provided so many golden nuggets of information, and we really appreciate you joining us. I appreciate you, Marlon. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I hope that the notes you took from our guests will help you as you plan and build your career. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. View from the big chair, examining the cost to be the boss. I'm your host, Marlon Jones, and I thank you again for listening.